0: The golf swing, biomechanics. You know, nothing could seem more complex sometimes because we have PhDs doing research on every intricacy of the golf swing and others completely bashing the thought or idea of it. You might think it's too complicated or, or even that it doesn't matter as, as you've seen it hidden in the shadows and maybe it's just not relevant. There's a fear that something might go wrong if we stray from the current paradigm of what most golfers think of as swing instruction. Well, looking at biomechanics isn't too complicated. And in fact, it's not irrelevant and it's a giant step forward in golf and one that needs to become the norm. And yet, it's a study still in its infancy.
1: I think we're still uh, in our infancy. As the systems get easier to use, more and more research will be done and we'll learn more and more. All of this research can just be ongoing. I mean, there's a million things we can look at and... uh, Man, it's a fun time right now.
0: If you're not interested in the golf swing or biomechanics, I understand. That was me. It all seemed so foreign and complex and I had no desire to dive in. But I had an experience that radically changed my perspective. I had someone with a great foundation in biomechanics work with me on my swing. Shout out to Tim Souza here. And it clicked, the way he talked, the way that he explained what was going on and how he looked at why things are happening. And I love the approach, I was hooked. So here we are, looking to explain what biomechanics is and make it as understandable as possible. And through this series of podcasts, videos and articles, I wanna help you have the same aha moment that I did. We're taking the most complex and forethinking ideas and individuals and are gonna to attempt to explain those concepts as simply Possible. So, you get a fundamental understanding of the golf swing from a correctly researched and sourced biomechanical perspective. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab, where we're bringing to light important research and concepts so that you can play better golf. I'm your host, Cordy Walker. In this season of the Golf Science Lab, we're looking at the golf swing. We're going to talk with some of the leading biomechanists who research the swing. They're going to help us understand what's going on, not through their opinion or what works for one person, but what they've seen in their research and what's going on in the motion of the golf swing and forces behind it. I'm really excited for this season of shows. It's going to be incredible. If you're not subscribed to the podcast in iTunes, make sure to head over to that. Open up your app, search Golf Science Lab, hit that subscribe button. And if you like the show and you listened to it in the past, make sure to give us a review so that more people can find out about the Golf Science Lab. This episode is brought to you by KVEST. What is KVEST? Well, it's a 3D human motion learning system that helps coaches measure, assess, coach, and train to improve player performance. The part that KVEST does better than anyone else is the coaching and training. Their biofeedback, which is music which lets you know when you've moved into the right position, is an experience that everyone needs to have. The first time I used it, I couldn't believe how simple it made training the golf swing with simple external feedback. It's incredible. And it's gotten even better by going from static training to movement-based training with their new program called Next. Head over to k-vest.com slash gsl and watch a video of Martin Hall showing you the system in the real world. And if you're a golfer, find a coach near you that has a system. And if you're a Coach to learn more about it. Biomechanics isn't just directly related to golf. Gymnastics, tennis, track and field. In fact, we're going to hear from a U.S. Olympic team biomechanist over this series. All of these activities can also use the term biomechanics. So what is it? Biomechanics is the study of the structure and function of biological systems by the means of the methods of mechanics. All right, let's break that down a bit because I don't know about you, but I don't get much from that. So we look at it, we see this word bio, which means life. And we look at mechanics, which looks at the action of forces on bodies and with the motion comprised of kinetics, statics, and kinematics. So we have these two things coming together. And I found this other definition that maybe simplifies this even more, studying the impact of internal and external forces on the human body. So we're trying to see what's going on in an activity, analyzing athletes and trying to get a clear picture of what's going on, potentially why things are actually happening. And why do biomechanists do this? Well, number one is to improve performance of athletes. Biomechanists are trying to figure out what are some of the keys to improving performance for players. And we'll hear a lot about this in the series, whether it's teaching players to use the forces in the ground more effectively or looking at an optimal kinematic sequence for more efficient power, all of these things are going to help with performance and what most people think about when they hear biomechanics. And the other goal is to avoid and prevent injuries. By looking at the forces on the body and movements, it's possible to prevent or reduce the risk of injury, but this one is a bit tricky.
1: They want to be powerful and they want to be effective. And so they'll do what it takes. And sometimes that crosses the line between performance and injury risk they're so trained that their body is carrying huge stresses and either they're going to shorten their career or they're going to win enough tournaments that they're happy about it but they want to perform at their absolute peak and so a lot of times they're willing to risk that injury predicting injury based on you know um, motions is is really really challenging for every you you know just look on the pga tour and you could say hey if you do that you're likely to get injured well, there's a guy in the PGA Tour who does it and is not injured, you know, or, hey, this, this swing looks pretty darn perfect. By whatever measure you're using as a, as a predictor of injury, someone on the tour that has that, you know, picture-perfect swing is, is probably going to get injured. There are just so many factors that go into injury, you know. It's so subjective to the individual in terms of their, their body's tissues' ability to repair themselves, to, you know, sustain multiple repeated forces over and over again becomes really, really challenging to to predict that.
0: Those are two folks that we're going to hear from more during this series, Dr. Phil Cheatham and Dr. Sasha McKenzie. So we've covered a little bit what biomechanics means, and then these two reasons of why we have biomechanics and what biomechanists do. And no, it's not to make things endlessly complicated. That's not the role of biomechanics. The role is for coaches to take this information and to have such a good understanding of this that they're able to communicate it very simply to students. That's the role of a good coach. It's to take an in-depth understanding of a topic and make it very simple. To set up a learning environment that helps a student find their solution find their way to make a change. And we'll hear from coaches throughout this season that are very good at this to interpret some of what we're going to learn from these biomechanists. Another story I want to share with you to talk about this paradigm is from Dr. Rick Jensen. He's a fantastic sports psychologist and it pertains to a conversation that he had with a tennis coach. He asked the coach why they didn't use video and give instruction in tennis like golf. And here's what the coach replied with, he said, tennis pros understand how to make people better at tennis. It's not about the motion, but about hitting the ball where you need to hit it in the court. And then he explained how he was working with the student. She needed a more knee bend so she could increase top spin on her shots and reduce shots that flew too far and carried over the baseline. So in practice, he only hit slice shots to this student. So she was forced to react to bend her knees and go down and get this ball. The coach changed the practice environment so the student could learn this change in motion. And in my opinion, a coach needs to understand all of this biomechanics, all of what they want to do with a student's swing to get better performance or reduce injury, and then be an expert communicator and learning environment creator to help a student discover their solution. We need to understand a few other terms here before diving in, and it's kinetics and kinematics. I know, I know a lot of definitions but hang with me here. We need to set this groundwork so that the next episodes make more sense. So, kinetics is the study of forces that produce motion. And there are really three primary forces at work that directly affect the golf club.
1: And those three forces would be gravity, which acts at the uh, the balance point or at the center of mass of the golf club. And it's always equal to the weight of the club, and it's always acting straight down. And the second one uh, would be um, aerodynamic forces or, or air resistance. So um, those kind of resist the, uh, the motion of the club. And they're actually – they tend to be quite small. Um, the faster the club moves, the bigger they get. But really, they're probably only going to change you know, club head speed by, by a couple miles per hour. Um, Ping come up with, you know, the, the, the concept of these turbulators to try and reduce that a little bit and so th- those are two, gravity and air resistance and, and the third one are the forces that the golfers applying at the grip with their hands and, and those by far and away are the major determinants of, of how the club moves. Gravity and air resistance pretty small in comparison to the, the forces the is applying to the grip.
0: The other force that we have involved here in the golf swing is the interaction between the golfer's feet and the ground. We have an entire episode where we'll talk just about this interaction. The other term we'll look at is kinematics. So kinematics is the description of the actual motion without regard to the forces producing it. Some of the things we look at with kinematics are position, path, displacement, speed, velocity, acceleration. That all involves kinematics. You might have heard of the kinematics sequence, which is a measurement of the rotational speeds over time. It's, it's this graph with lines on it. How fast does your pelvis rotate, your lead arm, et cetera. Don't worry. We're going to get to that next week and you can learn all about the kinematic sequence. It's going to be fantastic so kinetics kinematics two different things and i heard this this good trick to remember these from one of our experts we'll hear from dr scott lynn that kinematics is a study of motion and it has an m in the word so kinematics motion and kinetics forces so kinetics doesn't have an m so forces so maybe that little trick will help you remember these two i found this great quote from tpi co-founder dr greg rose and I think shares why we look at all this data in science. Check this out. If there's one thing that I've learned over the past 15 years, it is that no two golfers have the same golf swing. But for some reason, every time I meet a golfer, it seems like all they want to do is visually compare their golf swing to another golfer. This type of mentality never made sense to me. The problem comes from us not having a better way to evaluate the golf swing. What we should do is figure out if our golf swing is efficient or inefficient and then make the corrective changes based on that information. Unfortunately, we have never been able to measure efficiency of the golf swing, only how it looks or its style, until now. And we'll have a full link to this article here. I think it's a great little piece to check out on the uh, the show notes for this podcast. But we're now able to look at the causes and the roots of issue. If someone has an inefficiency in their wrist, we're no longer just saying change that wrist position. But seeing if it stems from somewhere else, why is this happening? because there's variability in everyone's golf swing, body, the environment, the list goes on, the same things rarely apply to two people. So biomechanics lets us get to the root cause and help people based on their body and their golf swing. It got kind of frustrating, right? Because I was thinking, you know, I think everyone's always been on the search for the the key, the secret that everybody needs to do in the golf swing to hit it better. And I think that, that sent people down the wrong path. What we're finding is a lot of variability, Um, even if we have really good players. So, I mean, we had two of the best collegiate players in our conference a couple years ago. We measured them and their swings couldn't have been more different in terms of a lot of the biomechanical things we were measuring, yet both guys are shooting under par regularly. So, That was Dr. Scott Lynn, who we'll also hear more from in this series. We need to get back to a few more definitions, a few more foundational concepts before we get into this series. Uh, And we're going to go back to high school with Newton's laws of motion. Yes. Sir Isaac Newton, who's sitting under the apple tree, sitting in the head and the apple, they had that aha moment. By the way, it's actually not true. In the manuscript uh, of this biography that I found, Newton said that after dinner, they went out to the garden to drink tea under the shade of the apple trees. And while he was there thinking about gravity, he saw an apple fall from a tree. Didn't fall on his head though. Anyways. Back to the understanding here. So, Sir Isaac Newton developed three laws of motion that have become the basis of our modern day mechanics. And remember, we're looking at mechanics, the second half of our word biomechanics here. And so, we're going to look at these three laws. Number one, the law of inertia. An object at rest will remain at rest unless acted on by an unbalanced force. An object in motion continues in motion with the same speed and the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. So this means that there's a natural tendency of objects to keep on doing what they're doing. All objects resist change in their state of motion. In an absence of an unbalanced force, an object in motion will remain in that state of motion. It's the reason you should wear a seatbelt because your body wants to keep moving even when the car stops moving. The body wants to keep going unless it's acted on by an external force. So, we'd rather have that be a seatbelt than the windshield of a car when you slam on the brakes. And in golf, a ball would keep rolling forever unless it's slowed down by grass or by the slope of the hill. It's the law of inertia. Newton's second law is the law of acceleration. So, acceleration is produced when a force acts on a mass. The greater mass of the object being accelerated, the greater the amount of force needed to accelerate the object. So everyone knows that heavier objects require more force to move the same distance as lighter objects. And the simple equation that goes along with this is force equals mass times acceleration. And I heard this explanation from Dr. Phil Cheatham. Check this out. So the mass of the golf ball is the same when both hitting a putter and a driver. But the force of the collision with the driver is much larger than with the putter. This means that the acceleration of the ball while in contact with the club is much larger for the driver than the putter. Acceleration is the change in speed over time. So, larger accelerations will cause larger changes in speed for a given period of time. And as a result, the ball goes much faster in the case of a driver over a putter. Finally, Newton's third law, we're almost done, the law of action and reaction So, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Whenever an object pushes on another object, it gets pushed back in the opposite direction equally as hard. So, when you push on the ground with your foot, the grass and the ground pushes back. When you hit the golf ball, the ball pushes back with the same force, equal in size and opposite direction. And we'll get more into this in future episodes. But this foundation helps us clarify a few things, gets us all on the same page going forward. And then you might be saying, hey, we didn't talk about torques, we didn't talk about ground reaction forces, you name it. Well, the likely answer is we're going to cover that. We're going to cover it in a complete podcast and so we can go into more detail, get the definitions and the understanding as well as examples of what's going on. So stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, watch for these episodes coming weekly here for you. If you have a suggestion or feedback on what you think needs to be covered, head over to the article that goes along with this podcast on golfsciencelab.com and leave your idea in the comments or shoot us an email, hey at golfsciencelab.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider to get access to the content first and stay up to date on what we're documenting in golf science. This episode was hosted and written by me. Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions. Music includes Drop of Water in the Ocean by Broke for Free, licensed under Creative Commons by 3.0, Vault by Jazar, licensed under Creative Commons by ShareAlike 4.0, Bodies by Jazar, licensed under Creative Commons by ShareAlike 4.0, and we'll see you all next time in the Golf Science Lab.